What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, 
home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick. This is coming out a little late this week because I was sick, so that threw us off schedule-wise. But Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. Hope you're feeling better. I, I am much better today. I can talk into the microphone, and uh, people hopefully won't have to turn their radios off because of the sound of my voice. There you go. So uh, we're going to look back at the Colts game and look at the 53-man, but we've got a guest today. Do you want to introduce him? Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, Michael Telford who's joining us. You, you might know him better as Chibs if you're on Twitter. Certainly a lot of good football commentary coming there. And uh, he's done other podcasts in the Baltimore area, joining us in a guest spot today. And uh, I understand he's, he's going to be doing a pod for 336 coming up. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the plan, man. It's called Neutral Zone Infraction. Uh, it's me and another guy from Russell Street Report. Um, it'll be a little bit different than other podcasts. It'll be less X's and O's and more snark and bourbon and, you know, opinions. <laughs> oh, so let me guess, you're doing it with Adam. I am. I am doing it with Adam. I don't know why you would have guessed that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, guys, why – let's get right into the talk of the Ravens game. The Ravens won preseason again. It's the 11th straight preseason win. Preseason wins don't mean anything, but why do the Ravens keep winning preseason games? Well, I'll give you my reason. Uh, it's defensive depth that has primarily been the thing that's won it for the Ravens. They, they're constantly – playing with NFL caliber players at the three level. And it doesn't mean that the number ones have played well enough necessarily, but at the three level, they're playing very well. And it's very hard to score points on this Ravens defense in the second half when they've got good players and you've got twos and threes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with that. I also think another side of that would be health. Um, the Ravens have averaged 19 players on IR every year since 2014. And granted, some of those have come in the preseason, obviously. Um, but lately, um, by lately, I mean this year, uh, they've been really healthy. So I think that has helped them out a lot um, in notching their, what is it, their 11th straight preseason win, Ken? Yep. yep. Yeah, so I think that plays a big part in it as well. Um, plus, I mean, having an offense that is actually clicking uh, a little bit to start off the game, starting hot helps. Yeah, the offensive line so far has looked good in these games, but uh, but the Ravens have been a three-and-out offense primarily once they've got into the second half in a lot of these games. It's been the defense doing, it, doing yeah. its job. Right, so the, like you mentioned, the, the Ravens have had luck, especially this season, with health, and they've got the depth there. But then we knew something bad was going to happen at some point, so now we've got this Jimmy Smith situation where he's going to be suspended for four games. I, everyone's talking about this. Do you guys want to share anything about it, your thoughts? I mean, I, I guess we should have known something was up when the Ravens were sniffing around Bashad Breeland because it didn't make any sense otherwise. Uh, you know, with Jimmy, obviously, he's had a PED suspension. He's now had a, a personal conduct suspension. That's not a good combination. I think they will go through this year, try and get what they can out of Jimmy Smith, and next year he's a $9 million cap savings if he's cut. Yeah, I... As much as I love Jimmy Smith, I uh, am inclined to agree, agree with the whole cap situation um, that they'll cut him. The upshot of this is that not many people, I think, are thinking about is that with Jimmy Smith's injury history, well, now he only has 12 games that he has to stay healthy. 
And then the other side of that is that the Ravens defensively and in the secondary are more prepared this year to handle the situation than they have been in any other year. So, you know, we face A.J. Green, we face Antonio Brown, and those are big names. Are you going to crash into me? Um, Those are big names, admittedly, but I think we are better off this year with Marlon Humphrey and Tavon Young coming back healthy and, you know, a defensive stalwart in Brandon Carr plus Anthony Averett and the depth that we have. I don't think it will be as big of a deal. Those players, we, here's the thing that I think was a problem, is that we, we did not, we no longer have the ability to cut Brandon Carr. And I think he was, a, he was a player who the Ravens would have liked to let go. If you look at their depth at corner, they have enough with Kennedy back and, and playing very well that they could have let him go. And if they had Jimmy Smith, I think they would have. But without Jimmy Smith, that ain't going to happen. So uh, that's a down, another downside is there was an additional cap cost to this. It might be offset in part by the savings of Jimmy Smith's salary while he's, while he's on suspension. All right. Um, um, well, let's get into that defense. And we still haven't seen much except for a, kind of a plain vanilla defense from Martindale. So Yeah. It's, it's a good point. I mean, we see the dime in the first half, and we've seen it in the first half of the last two games. And each time, the, the Ravens have shut down the dime at halftime. After you know, the first half against the Rams, they only allowed three passing yards, and the dime was a big reason. A couple sacks, good coverage by Levine, a pressure by Clark. Uh, you know, we had a, you know, a really nice look at the dime. And make no mistake, the way they're practicing, the way I'm seeing everything roll out here, this is a dime team. We're going to see 30% dime snaps are very close to it, like we did last year. Uh, and, and, and this team is committed to it. I don't think I don't think we're going to go back to seeing inside linebackers on third down on the field. So uh, I, I, from that standpoint, at least it's exciting that the dime is playing so well. I think there are other candidates to play it, like Averett. Uh, sorry, not like Averett, like Elliott, uh, who could have gotten time there in the second half but didn't. Anyway, that's uh, a, a small schematic thing. He's not bringing out all the six-man blitzes that he did against the Rams, and particularly in the first half there was some of that. It was more of an effort to go with some four-man pressure and try and – challenge the pass rushers to beat a five-man line with four-man pressure in this game all right um why do you think he's doing it that way in the preseason showing more in the first half and then softening up yeah the, 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 i think there's a couple reasons one is he has a lot of inside linebackers he wants to take a look at so, so he's got that and, and you need to give those guys snaps as well as the safeties in terms of, of why you would go with a uh, a less complicated pass rush Part of it is you do want to see how the guys can stunt and what they can do, but but you also want to see how the guys can beat a tackle one on one. How the you know how uh, Williams can use a set of pass rush moves he has, for example, to, to beat a tackle one on one or Bowser in this game. So it, it, I think there's there's logic to it. I, I I don't think I completely agree with uh, with shutting down the scheme, but I trust that this is going to be a dime team and this is going to be a, a team that is extraordinarily fun to watch defensively. All right, so you're saying. Once the season starts, you think all that stuff's going to pick up? Oh, yeah. Well, I think another side of it, too. Yeah, I think another side of it, too, is that with the pass rush being so inconsistent last year, um, you know, using these simple uh, rushes, you're kind of giving the guys an opportunity to work on their craft uh, and see how they've progressed and see if you're going to have to have the secondary kind of cover the deficiencies in the pass rush. I mean, normally you want to have the pass rush help uh, the secondary. Last year, the secondary was very good um, Mm -hmm. with an inconsistent pass rush. So I think they're also at the same time 
They're, they're trying to hide what they're going to do defensively in the regular season, but they're also trying to figure out, hey, are we going to have a pass rush this year? And if we are, how is it going to look? Right. Well, Pease did like to use the seven-man drop against younger quarterbacks and force them into their own uh, – not force them, but let them make their own unforced errors. I, I think Martindale is probably not going to follow that path. I think he's, his choice is going to be aggression first try and force errors rather than create or allow unforced errors. Uh, Colts, by the way, did a lot of the same thing. They had a lot of four-man and even even three-man rushes in the game, and it did allow a fair number of ample time and space opportunities. And I'll tell you what, the Ravens did not exploit them. We'll get that to that if we have an offensive podcast this week or it might be next week, Josh. Yeah, of course, we'll get to that uh, shortly. I want to get to some individual players. I've got some guys on a list here uh, that I'll go through, but you guys feel free to bring up other players if you want as well. And I wanted to start with Anthony Everett. And uh, so, uh, okay, so anyway, Everett a- had, a, had a terrific, as good a three-play series as you can do from first and goal at the two-yard line. So he he stretched out Jordan Wilkins uh, and allowed Bowser to take him down for a loss of one. Then he stripped Reese Fountain in the end zone. It looked like he was going to pick that ball off. And then on third and goal, he had tight coverage of Ross Travis on the fade, and the ball had to be thrown out of bounds and, uh, and incomplete. On fourth down, they got, the, they got the play stopped without him being directly involved, but he still had a coverage responsibility on that play. And uh, just a, a fantastic series. It's, uh, he has uh, good uh, ability to stay in the hip pocket of a receiver, and unlike Darius Williams, who's had problems with it, I think he's played better from through contact from the receiver so uh, he plays a little bit bigger than he probably is height wise so what would you give Averett as far as the chances to uh, steal some regular season snaps and maybe get some regular season experience against uh, starters I I have a hard time believing he won't get some regular season experience you know they did this this funky cornerback rotation which basically in Ravens history they've never never really done any time before last year where they had three guys who they thought were good enough for starters and they were actually rotating snaps. Some of that was good for Jimmy Smith. It's something you see on the defensive line, but you really never see in the secondary. Uh, it's, uh, it would be interesting to see if Averett gets some snaps in that. I, I, you know, There's going to be plenty of opportunities with either big leads or big trailing margins where I think we'll see him. And uh, you know, if I had to over-under his snaps right now, I think maybe he'd get... Uh, 120 to 150 snaps in 2018 would be where I is. It could be more with injury. Okay, that's about where I had him. So I was just interested to see what the general feeling like was from a defensive-minded guy like yourself. So yeah, that's all he, I had he, on him. You know, he could move in to be the backup slot corner too if if there's a problem with Tavon again. So you know, that's he's got multiple positions where he might be the guy who fills in. I I was kind of of a mind that he would be the backup slot guy too. Um, Really quickly after we drafted him, I kind of had that take. Uh, you know, I got some pushback when I said it. People said that he was more of an outside corner, but I think he could be more like Tavon Young, where he can play inside and out. Well, the, the other guys they have in the slot are all aircraft carrier play people. I mean, Brandon Carr is, is you know, a, a bigger, thicker outside corner. He played a little bit of slot for us last year. And, and uh, Kennedy played terrific in the slot last year, and he's, a, he's an aircraft carrier. He belongs on the outside, but... Uh, but, you know, that's yeah. who they had to play slot. I, I, no, you, that's all I had on Averitt. You, you mentioned Bowser, and let's go to him because I think he was kind of a disappointment last year. He didn't get a whole lot of playing time. He seemed to kind of disappear in this defense. 
And now we're seeing him some on the preseason. How's he looking going in? I played, I played well in week two last year and won that, that defensive rookie of the week for week two, which really set the expectation bar pretty high. But when it came down to it, he made some plays. He played about 150 snaps last year in his rookie year. I think it was 151 as I count them. He had a real breakout game. First of all, Bowser had been uh, on the sideline the first two games, as we know. This was his first action since last season. And big array of things. So not only do you like to see him get a sack, which he did, he had other pressures. And w one thing you kind of often lose in a game like this is that he big, drew a big offensive holding penalty on, on Braden Smith that negated a run left for nine yards. And I, I like to see that. When a, when a guy draws holding penalties, that's a, that's a very good thing. So a variety of run and pass contributions. We did not see him in coverage in this game. But I thought, generally speaking, he played very well, and I'm, I'm extremely encouraged by the action. He looks like he's the one-for-one one Sam backup for Judon. So neither, neither Judon or Suggs will play all the snaps, and each of them this year has a pretty clear one-for-one one backup. So you mentioned we haven't seen him in coverage yet, which leads me into my question. I like him to maybe get some snaps at will. What are the chances you think we see that where, you know, Awasu hasn't been great in coverage, Kenny Young's a rookie, um, Bowser played some of that in college, um, and, he, you know, he's got the speed and the athleticism to cover to a point. So what are the chances you, you think we see him in the regular season covering tight ends and over the middle? Okay, complex question, because I think the best guy in tight end coverage is uh, Jefferson that the team has, and I think that's really how the, 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 the current personnel could get that done. Here's the, here's the conundrum at the Will linebacker spot is the team really needs, to in order to supplement the dime, to have a two-down thumper on the inside. That guy isn't on the team unless it's Alvin Jones. Bam Bradley might be that guy when he comes back from Pup. So they've got two guys that, that, that could be that. Uh, Awasu is not a, a two-down thumper. He's, he's, he's just not that guy. He throws his body around effectively, but he is not a size-appropriate inside linebacker, so I don't really like him at that Will spot. We, we're both familiar with his coverage weaknesses, so that's not really the issue there that, that, that uh, is going to save him. Kenny Young is a coverage linebacker who's also, I think, flashed in other areas of the game. Certainly had a big game this week. Uh, so if they play him at the Will, I still think it's likely as a two-down player where they bring in a dime to supplement that on third down. So, you know, all the, all the different possibilities basically have the Ravens needing a two-down inside linebacker to go with their very powerful and very successful dime they used last year. Okay. All right. Um, what is the, I don't want to call it a game-saving tackle, but at the end of the game, Kafusi got the tackle during the two-point conversion, so they won the preseason game. Yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about Kafusi. What, what's this mean for him this season? Uh, I, I think he's, it's not a good thing that Bronson is fighting for snaps at the end of the game. The fact that he's in there with 224 to go at the end of a regular season game is not a good thing. He only, he only played 15 snaps. The two positions he plays, defensive end and outside linebacker, he's been standing up and, and working from a three-point stance so far this season, uh, have, you know, both are stacked positions for the Ravens. They have three guys who play five tech who are all going to make the team. They have four outside linebackers at least ahead of them, and a fifth when you count Zadarius Smith, who's really an, an inside pass rusher as used by the Ravens. So it's it's a 
it's a very difficult spot for Kafusi to be in. I think that the most likely thing is he'll he could be cut or traded. They won't get him through to the practice squad because someone will want him, unfortunately. But uh, he's he could still be a good player for somebody else, I think. And I hope the Ravens can extract some value from him in trade. Yeah, it's kind of where I land on Kafusi as well. Um, you know, even before he started, you know, flashing a little bit in preseason, I was on the – there's some players on our team that they just need a fresh start, and I'll get into that when we go over the 53. Uh, but Kafusi is one of those guys. I like him. He has upside. I don't think he has a spot on the team just because of all the other talent. I think he's just a victim of numbers. Yeah. All right. What about Zach Sealer? We saw him uh, play some in the first half. Is that – I mean, he's moving up a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, that is the most significant factor is that he came in the beginning of quarter two and got snaps against the number six overall pick, the guard Quentin Nelson for the for the Colts. Um, it's not that he got a ton more snaps. He got 24 snaps and Kalfusi, for example, got 15. But Sealer is getting snaps where the coaches really want to see what he can do against a top player. I, I He's made the team. I mean, you just you can't put him on the practice squad. You'll, you'll get taken. You can't really put him on IR. You're just wasting a year. He's, he's, he's too much better than the other players that are available there not to play. In fact, you know, we, we could see a surprise cut, I think, before we'd see Sealer cut. But my guess is the Ravens will keep seven defensive linemen, and the guy who unfortunately is on the outside uh, is Carl Davis. But uh, Sealer had a great game, pinched, helped to pinch on the, on the game-winning tackle. He got a big quarterback hit. He otherwise really controlled the line of scrimmage in, on the, against the run. So, I got nothing but positive things to say. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. What a surprise, man. So I wasn't really high on Sealer uh, coming out of the draft. You know, I just viewed him as your your general five-tech guy, and I figured we had a lot of him on the roster. He has been one of the most impressive draft picks uh, out of the entire class so far. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hayden Hurst notwithstanding. Um and I agree with you. I, I was talking with somebody earlier in the week about who they thought my surprise or who I thought the big surprise cut would be. And I think Carl Davis might be uh, trade bait even if they can convince somebody that, you know, he's worth their time and effort. Right. It's just it, there, have, there has to be a shortage of that position. But I agree. We talked about that with the 53, but that's uh, that's good stuff. Just very exciting about Sealer, though. He's a, he's a small school pick. And that usually means they got somebody, you know, because Michael Pierce was a UDFA, but a small school guy. But there are small school draft picks like Webb and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think back over Brandon Williams and players like that. I mean, they tend to get very good small school picks. And that's, yeah. by the way, the DaCosta infrastructure is what, what supports that. Yeah, because he's a small school guy, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, what about Jean Baptiste? Is he having bad luck, or is something he's doing wrong that's causing him to give up these long, like a thirty-nine yard play this past week, Monday night? Yeah, Baptiste. I don't think he's played poorly at all these last two games. He's been victimized by some perfect throws. Uh, there were two in this game. There was one in the last with the with the touchdown throw. There was a basically fastball low on the outside corner that he just he couldn't even get his bat to it if he was a baseball player but uh, uh you know he came up shaking his head he couldn't believe the throw was right there he couldn't believe the throw was caught last night on the 36 yard or uh, against colts in the 36 yard play or 39 yard play down the sideline he went up for the ball the ball didn't go through his hands it went directly over his fingertips and just you know he's a huge corner his game is staying close enough to greatly impede the catch radius of the receiver with his own, 
you know, interception radius or catch radius, if you want to think of, uh, think of it that way. And these are just two, two plays where he just was outside his own uh, ability to touch that football. And it's not like he's played poorly. I think he's actually played very well, including in this last game, and uh, certainly made up for it with that interception on the underthrow that, uh, that was exciting. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, he's flashed in camp, um, and I think he's played solid in uh, the preseason. I don't – maybe he makes the team because of, you know, Jimmy Smith's suspension, but I, I don't see him being a guy that's on the 53 all year. I think there's too much talent ahead of him. Uh, you, you could well be right. Of course, as you progress through the season at corner, you know, there's always injuries that come up. And so that, that right. uh, seventh corner who's either not on your roster, he's on the practice squad, or you know him and he's on the street somewhere, uh, he ends up being a big player. Yeah, I agree. Does uh, Jean-Baptiste have practice squad eligibility? Ken? Yes. Yeah, you, okay. you always have – I mean, there's certainly exemptions, but Jean-Baptiste has never been active for any number of games, so he's he would not require an exemption. Uh, you mentioned depth at cornerback. We saw a lot of Darius Williams on Monday. Is this them preparing for – some games without Jimmy Smith? Yeah, it's a good question. Darius Williams is really a slot corner, so he, he really is the backup to Tavon Young, Tavon Young if he made the team. I don't think he's going to make it now just watching his play. He's the most natural physical fit for it, but then when you see him on field, he just gets bumped around. Um, you know, I'm reminded of kind of greyhound racing and how that differs from regular horse racing. In regular horse racing, if you bump a horse and you knock him outside, you know, there can be fouls and, and you know, because there's a jockey involved, that, that could be not legal. Well, in, in, in dog racing, it's part of the game. And you have an 80-pound dog on the inside and he hits other dogs. They go flying off the track and that's dog racing. So anyway, this is kind of what I'm seeing with Darius Williams is bigger receivers are bumping him and, and losing him in contact in a way that I'm, I'm not enamored with. So I think he probably ends up not making the team basically where, on where he is now. I do think they're going to try and keep him on the practice squad probably and see if he can work through some of these contact issues over the course of the season. But I don't think there's anything on film that's going to tell another team we have to have this guy. Good hip pocket coverage, the guy, guy though. We'll say that. Good good at staying close to that receiver. Good athleticism, too. He's uh, I mean, he's definitely an athlete, uh, but I think you're right. I think he's one of the more likely practice squad candidates that's that's on the team. All right, I got a couple more for you guys. Uh, Kenny Young, we saw him as a defender out in coverage, uh, in pass rush. How has he fit on this team? You know, that's exactly the thing to be excited about is we saw a little bit from Kenny Young in all phases. We saw him do some, had some good run stops, and he had a couple of those in earlier games. We saw him in coverage. We saw a pass rush out of this game where he flushed the pocket. He, you know, he helped to converge on that two-point conversion, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, it's exciting to see that. I think he's ahead in the the uh, the competition for the Will Backer spot. I think he'll probably be the opening day starter. It may be treated again like it was last year where two guys are getting reps into the regular season because they're still trying to sort it out. But to me, Kenny Young is a fairly obvious choice for that position, and it's just a matter of he doesn't exactly fit the need in terms of being the uh, Iron Man run defender, the, the two-down thumper they need to go with their dime package. Yeah, I, I agree about him kind of having the edge. Anytime you hear a coach say that a rookie is uh, even yes. with a tenured vet, it, you know, in coach speak, that means that the rookie is ahead. Yes, uh, I, absolutely. Yeah, and I, man, he, I was one of the guys that was really high on Kenny Young when he came out. Uh, you know, I wanted other 
inside linebackers in the draft, but we got, you know, ahead of him. Uh, but we got Kenny Young, and I was like, okay, this I can work with. You know, his coverage skills, probably some of the best coverage skills in the draft as far as covering over the middle and tight ends and whatnot. Um, one of the things that we've missed for so long is having that. You know, C.J. Mosley had Daryl Smith next to him. Daryl Smith could play the coverage. C.J. could just be C.J., and we've been missing that. I think that Kenny Young brings a lot of that to the table, um, you know, CJ having his best years, I think Kenny Young can help him get back to that level where people were like, wow, CJ is really good because we're just asking CJ to do too much and Kenny Young can kind of fill in some of those needs. Right. So I think some of the down the downplaying of CJ's ability, particularly as a coverage linebacker, is coming because he's the, he's one of the only guys that you can really throw at, particularly in the dime. I mean, who else are you going to throw at? You, you've got good coverage options all the way around the, the umbrella. So you're going to try and, and challenge the middle of the field if you're going to try and, challenge, try and challenge anywhere. And CJ's in the middle of the pack in terms of you know, pass uh, rating allowed, but, uh, but in terms of some other things, in terms of yards per snap, for example, that he's given up, it's, he's, he's not as well off because he's a primary target among the Ravens' uh, pass defenders. Yeah, and if he has somebody that can kind of alleviate that, I think it improves the entire defense because – I. If there was a weakness on the defense last year, it was across the middle. It was an underrated need. Gotcha. The last guy I wanted to ask you guys, the big guy out there on the field, is Tim Williams. How is he going to work into this team? Okay. Yeah, you're right, Josh. Tim Williams playing like a man among boys here again, and that is really exciting. So uh, he's the things he's done in the three games are among the best preseason any Raven has ever had. So that's exciting. Uh, as far as where he fits into the defense, I think we're going to see a couple things, a couple dynamics here. The first is that he'll be the one-for-one replacement for Suggs at rush linebacker. So he, he'll see about 35% of the snaps from that typical season. You have just over a thousand snaps on defense if if your defense is good. And he should see about 350 from that, maybe about another 30 from being in various situational packages where they try and use him in a different way, or maybe they rush him even from the other end uh, to get two top pass rushers in. So maybe 380 is my over-under on snaps. And uh, what I'm really excited overall is that the defense is going to have a lot of rusted, rested pass rushers, completely the opposite, rusted and rested. Rested pass rushers uh, on a down-by-down basis. So I think we're going to see... Uh, the ability to do all kinds of complex, high-energy rushes as Martindale sees fit, given the, uh, the the amount of talent they have. Yeah, I uh, you know Tim Williams coming out of college, he was viewed as a pure rusher. I think he's starting to grow his series of pass rush moves. Uh, I think that he's going to live up to that expectation. Um, it was more off the field concerns that you know made him fall so far, and I think if he can bring his talent level and he can show his ceiling that we're going to have a beautiful, beautiful, pure pre- pa- pure pass rusher in Tim Williams. Yeah, you know what? It brings up the other point is he's really played the run very well in this in this preseason too, and that's been exciting. So it's not there shouldn't be any problem with fearing that he'll be on the field for a first down just because he's on the field for the third down. And when I say he's a pure rotational guy with Suggs, he can take over the whole series. He doesn't have to, you know, he can play for eight straight plays and come off the field, and Suggs can play 16 straight plays kind of thing. Or... You know, mix it up more than that, but anyway, you get what I'm what I'm saying that you don't have to have a yeah. down by down replacement for for Tim Williams anymore. Right. Yeah. It helps the uh, helps the defense rest, but it also helps disguise what's going on on the defense. So I mean, that's huge in Baltimore. Yep. All right. So looking back at this Colts game, uh, do you guys 
who are your defensive MVPs? Is it some of the guys I went through with you? Is it you guys have your own guys you want to point out at this point? Yeah, I, I'll uh, I, I can toss mine out there first, and and Chibs, you give me whatever whoever you think is your guys. My number three guy, I'm gonna go with uh, Bowser for the big game in his first game back. I like Bowser as the number three. I had him at uh, oh yep, I had him at three too. Okay, I'm gonna go with Tim Williams at number two. Do we have a match? Uh, you know what? I apparently don't know how to read, so I wrote Chris Moore. Uh. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, Tim Williams uh, was very good um, as we just went over. I think I think I can switch out Chris Moore for Tim Williams for sure. Okay, fair enough. And then number one for me, Anthony Abritt with that great uh, one-man goal line stand. Yeah, I, uh, I love Abritt's intensity, his fire. He's showing me exactly what I wanted to see. Um, I, I like Abritt for, for player of the game for that. All right. Well, one for one match. That's great. All right. That makes it easy when you guys just agree on everything. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. Um, in about a week is when we'll do our uh, official podcast breaking down the 53-man roster. But now we're looking a week out. We've seen a few preseason games. Why don't we quickly kind of go through a preliminary 53 and, and see where we're looking. And I thought let's start right on the defensive line. Sure, and I, I'll give my seven quickly, and I, there's going to be a bunch of people we completely agree on, but if you have a disagreement, you know, Michael, we can talk through what what that is. But my, my seven, pretty obviously, Pierce, Brandon Williams, and Urban, who I think will be basically the, the, the starters, Henry, uh, Wormley, and Sealer, who are both five techs, and then Patrick Ricard is the, is the wild card seventh guy uh, that is – just controlling the line of scrimmage in this preseason and it's exciting that you have a versatile guy like that as your seventh piece yeah i don't think i can disagree with anybody there who'd you say was sealer uh, I, I had sealer as the uh, oh, along with it wormley chris wormley you know he's my forgotten man um i i don't know that i see him making the roster i had six on the defensive line being kept um, and I think Wormley was the uh, the guy that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if he's going to make it. Okay, that would be, in my opinion, a very tough cut. And I think he's looked pretty good this preseason, so I, I don't see him going. He's a, uh, you know, the other thing is he's a second-year player, so he's more option value remaining than, than Carl Davis, for example, who's a fourth. Right. All right, let's look at the outside linebackers. Again, I'm guessing you guys are going to agree with this. Sure. Yeah, do you want me to start, Michael? Or you want to you want to go through your list on this? Um, you can go ahead and start. Okay. Uh, I'm just pulling in, so we probably won't agree with we won't disagree with any of these five anyway. Suggs, Judon, Bowser, Tim Williams, Zadarius Smith. They all make it. I, I don't see any trade coming up for Zadarius Smith. I hope they do not do it. Uh, but he would be the guy because he's a fourth year player that that they might let go or feel like they can trade. Uh, he would draw more value than a lot of the other people that they have on the on the uh, uh, on the team, but he's also a guy that has special sauce value at the end of the year when he when he leaves for free agency. So I, I see those those five guys is all sticking. Yeah, I mean, there's not really any other option, honestly. Tough cut for Kamalai Correa uh, in my book because I don't have him on the inside linebacker either, and he probably was my 54th guy. So uh, if you if you expected him on the outside linebacker list and don't see him, this is... No, I, ha I had him at a, as a let go anyway, uh, uh, not on list, if you will. All right. All right. Well, let's get inside to that linebacker. Inside, yeah. 
I'm going to just move ahead. I've got Mosley Young and Owasu. Um, I, I don't, you know, Owasu is a guy that I don't really have a great reason why he should be kept if he's not going to be the starter uh, as opposed to Young. I'd rather probably go with Alvin Jones, a younger player who really is a two-down thumper, a more size-appropriate inside linebacker. But I just think that the Ravens probably will go with Owasu. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Um, they do like Owasu. Otherwise, there wouldn't even have been a competition between Young and Owasu. Um, you know, he wouldn't have won the job uh, last year if they didn't see something in him. So I, I don't know that Owasu gets gets gone. I really like Alvin Jones. Um, I just I can't see a spot for him. We just number problems this year, man. Number problems. You know, you make a good point about Owasu, and I, I think you're right that the coaches won't let him go. It it is. Uh, the tough cuts they'll have to make with Alvin Jones are, are a case where it's better to have that problem than the reverse because the reverse side has a lot of cap cost to going out on the market and finding players, for example, or having to hold people that are on injured reserve for the whole year and have that count against the cap. So it's 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 much better to have the the problem of healthy uh, roster with tough cuts and you know some potential return in trade, but uh, but probably not very much. Yeah, I'm, I I agree. All right, well, let's get to what about the cornerbacks? They're going to obviously, thanks to Jimmy Smith, they're going to have a little extra time to evaluate one more guy, but who do you have sticking around there? Let me take oh, this one. Yeah. Um, so obviously Jimmy Smith, four-game suspension, but he's going to make the roster afterwards. They've already said that, you know, they stand by him. Um, past Jimmy Smith, I mean, Marlon Humphrey, uh, second-year standout. Tavon Young, slot corner stud. Um, beyond that, I got Anthony Averett sticking, um, Kennedy sticking, uh, and I think uh, Stanley Baptiste sticks around at least for those four games before they, they put him down uh, to the practice squad when Jimmy comes back. Okay, I, I wouldn't disagree, and I like keeping Stanley John Baptiste, but to do so, I'm going to have to k- kick off a roster spot from somewhere else, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. I went over it about three times trying to figure out who, who could be let go, and you already have a, a bunch of tough cuts here, but I've got Humphrey Carr, Averitt, Kennedy, and Young, like you, as the five. Jimmy Smith does not take a spot until he returns, so when he returns, you have to cut somebody anyway. You're, it sounds like you would cut SJB at that point. Um, I'd like to have him on the roster, but I think the, it's more likely the Ravens will go with five guys, including Carr. And if you wanted to see a surprise cut, and it would be a big surprise at this point, it would be cutting Carr and keeping SJB, which I think they might have done had they gotten through the preseason with Jimmy and things had been okay. But now, at this point, they're not, I don't believe they're going to cut Carr. Yeah, oh, I completely forgot about Brandon Carr, honestly. So you're, you know what, I'm in agreement with you. I literally didn't even think about him. That's on me. I, th- I thought you did. Uh, you did call him out. There, no. But uh, but that's anyway. That's fine. So you, you're keeping five corners, or you're keeping six there, Michael. So I would be keeping uh, obviously Jimmy Smith when he comes back, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, uh, Tavon Young, uh, Maurice Canada, Anthony Averett. So it'd be six. It's actually only five then for the opener because Jimmy Smith doesn't take a roster spot, as I understand. So you right. have the same list I have. Yep, you guys okay. You guys match on there. How about on safety? You want to go first or you want me to? I got him only keeping four. Weddle, Jefferson, Clark, Elliott. Okay, so you have Levine going, and I Levine was one of the best defensive players on the team last year, remains a special team stud. I think he's safe. He's cheap. He's uh, a very good player. I, I think they keep five safeties. They need the, they need the uh, special teams player. 
and we, we, we see Weddle, Jefferson, Clark, Levine, and Elliott all staying. I just wonder if they don't see, um, you know, envision Clark taking over that role where he is a he's also shown a propensity for special teams. Um, he can cut, they view him as a third starter. They've said, uh, I wonder if they just don't, you know, do the 80 20 rule. They can get 80% of production, 20% of the cost, plus he has youth on his side. Yeah, they, they would save a roster spot. So, so you know, you got two more years of team control with Clark, so that's good. But uh, Anthony Levine is not going to be signed by somebody else, which is one of the reasons why I've liked him so much. And he really did have one of the, one of the great years of any Raven dime last season. So I, I'm, I'm, I would be, it would be surprise me if they let him go. It wouldn't upset me. And the other thing I'm, point I'm going to make about Clark is that Clark, the thing that's exciting about him is that he could be the free safety replacement for Weddle. Now, I want it to be Elliott, probably like you do too, but Clark is a guy who can play back end and front end. Levine is a pure dime. So that, from that standpoint, Clark certainly has more value than Levine, but I think because they want him for the back end, they need to keep a guy who's a, who's a top end dime as well, and that's Levine. All right. I, I like your logic. I just, you know, don't agree with it. <laughs> that's cool. All right. Let's look at the other side of the ball. Let's, uh, let's start at running back. I mean, that one seems obvious, right? Collins, Allen, Dixon. Play plain vanilla, but uh, but that's, I think, where it, where it goes right now. I, one of the things, uh, Edwards hurt himself with some fumbles in the practices against the Rams. He had a couple. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't done poorly at all in the games. He's, he's shown some ability to make plays after the catch, but uh, I just don't think any, any of those guys will break through. And, in fact, I think that'll be one of the places where the Ravens look for a trade partner with some of their surplus defensive talent will be to find out if they've got a pass-catching running back that they really want to pick up. And a pass-catching and pass-blocking running back, both, I'll say. Right, because I think that pass-block uh, is kind of the weakness of the running back group right now. Collins has been working on his. Um, Allen is probably the strongest one out of the three. Dixon whiffs on too many blocks for, for yeah. my liking. So, Yeah, a very good point. All right, well, is that where the uh, tight ends are going to step in with help with this pass blocking? We have some some tight ends who are supposed to be good blockers where we just have not seen it yet. Uh, Boyle is a, is a supposed to be a very good blocker, and, and he, he's probably the best the Ravens have right now. Hurst will make the team as an inline blocker and, and pass catcher, but we haven't seen good inline blocking from Hurst in this preseason. In fact, he's looked pretty darn bad. And I, I want to add three negative um, notes as a run blocker in this last game. Did have one positive, too, and one nice block in level two, but haven't seen a lot. Andrews is an interesting case where I think there's still a possibility, given what Andrews has provided now, so far, that he might end up with the year on IR. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And the fourth guy is a really tough call because it could be Max Williams. Uh, they, they have uh, Maley available, and then they have uh, Darren Waller. Waller is the best athlete by far. He's a third-year player. You just can't trust him uh, at this point. Uh, I think that he has a toxicity that will allow the Ravens to put him to the practice squad. Uh, Maley's the best special teams player. And I think the combination of that and the fact that he's in his third year mean that he'll be the guy who will uh, make the team over Williams. I think Williams is a fourth-year guy and, unfortunately, will be cut or traded at the end of, this, at the, end of the preseason. Yeah, I don't have Williams making the roster either. Obviously, Hurst, Andrews, Boyle. Um, my fourth guy is Waller, in fact. Uh, I think his athleticism, his contributions to special teams uh, keeps him on the active roster. 
You know, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't argue with that, Michael. I think it's a reasonable choice, either one of those, and and it could be that Maley is a guy who stays around. But a lot of teams have that need for an extra tight end slash wide receiver, and and that may be an area where Maley can help this team too, because it's obviously a very weak receiving team. Waller has that same pedigree though, in terms of being a wide receiver converted to tight end. Yeah. All right, let's look at those receivers. Uh, which one of you is giving Perriman another shot? nobody (laughs) okay I'll I'll start I think the big three free agent wide receivers all stay obviously Brown, Crabtree and Snead after that you've got a bunch of guys who really there's a question about Moore, Chris Moore we're going to agree he's he's looked probably the best in camp like he should be one of the top three Uh, and then I've got two spots left one has to really go to the punt returner so either White or Grant will make it I give the edge to White right now I know Grant is getting a lot of love as a receiver, but I think most of what you need that guy for is as a punt returner, and White has shown much more in camp and his ability to get underneath punts uh, properly and then also to, to, to generate some good returns. Grant's lack of straight-line speed has really shown up in this preseason to me in terms of any time he goes laterally, he's not getting to the edge very easily. So I have a problem with that. And then my sixth spot, boy, you've got a lot of nothing to choose from. So you got Perriman, Lasley, and Scott. I think Scott is going to be the first fourth-round player ever cut by the Ravens, which in their long history, that's pretty bad. Uh, So it means that uh, I think the job goes to Leslie kind of by default. I I think as a rookie, you know, he's got more um, option value than Perriman. Perriman probably is the better athlete. Uh, He he better be. He was a first-round pick originally. But uh, I just think he's out of chances at this point, and uh, I don't see him hanging around. Well, I have long said that there is always the opportunity for them to keep seven. Um, We're going to disagree in a couple of areas here. Brown, Crabtree, Sneed, Moore, obviously all staying. Um, Past that, I think they will take a shot. Lasley is the more complete athlete. All right. So if they want to get rid of him, I don't know that a cut can happen because I think he'll get picked up. Um, but I think they like Scott as well. And you guys lost me. So, I, I, you know, making the point about Scott, I, I think they do like Scott, but I think the, right. the, the most likely place for Scott to end up is probably on IR. So they can do that. They can also just cut him. Uh, but we'll see how that how it ends up with, uh, with Scott at this point. The big stat for him so far this preseason is – there's a 0.0 passer rating for all Ravens quarterbacks throwing the ball to Scott. And some of that's been drops. You know, he obviously had an interception on his only target in the Hall of Fame game. So uh, it, it hasn't been good for him. But, uh, but I understand your, your, you know, your point. The Ravens don't tend to cut draft picks. They, they could well end up with him on IR. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I thought I cut out there for a second. So, um now so you, you, you mentioned Lasley and Scott. You're keeping them both, right? Yes. Um, well, yeah. I would like to keep them both. Um, instead of White, I think Grant makes the team, and here's why. Um, so Tim White went out there, fumbled the punt. He was taken out. Janarian Grant went out there, fumbled the punt. He was kept in for the punt returns. Maybe I'm just reading into it too much. But that screams to me that they are happier with Grant than they are with White. Yeah, we saw we saw the little sideline activity occurring when Grant was pulled over by Harbaugh after his fumble, 
and that was it was very interesting to me because he he, he kind of maintained good eye contact and I thought he did a pretty good job of, of taking the criticism from from John and a lot of players they just can't do it you know it, right they, they never really learn how to do that right so I don't know what White's, White's reaction was but he didn't come back after the night so a similar conversation may have occurred and Harbaugh just didn't like the way he reacted to it so uh, we'll we'll see how uh, how that goes, but I still think you know we'll we'll see how this plays out. Uh, it wouldn't shock me right now if either White or Grant is the guy, but it would kind of surprise me if they keep seven receivers. So I think it'll be six, and uh, and the 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 last guy, whether it's Lasley or Scott, good chance to be an IR. Also a chance I think in Scott's case that they'll just cut him. Well, I mean. More and more lately, I've been leaning towards six, but I mean, I'm I'm sticking with seven because I like to have, I like to be steadfast um, okay. in my predictions. <laughs> so, in this case, we'll stick with seven. All right. All right. Well, let's look at the offensive line. So this is I don't know if you're you're conserving a spot here. So because so so far it seems like you're keeping well, you maybe you kept I kept an extra safety. I think as we went through this might be might be yeah. a difference. But, uh, but in terms of the offensive line, I, I see them keeping nine. And here's how I kind of have it handicapped. The top six, Stanley Hurst, Lewis, Brown, Skura, and Yanda will all make it. And then you've really got a four-man competition at center going on right now and, and for the other uh, interior line spots and the backup tackle spots. So Bozeman, I think, uh, has about a 90% chance to be one of the remaining three. I give... A Luminor, a 40% chance with a 60% chance they try and move him to the practice squad. He's made a number of mental errors this preseason that I think will hurt him. Uh, a couple false starts. He, he was once pulling in the wrong direction. He pulled directly into Nico Siracusa, who was pulling in the proper direction uh, in game two against the Rams. So I, I don't think a Luminor, I think a Luminor is more likely than not on the outside of the bubble, even though he's a draft pick last year and has real playing time. And then Nico Siracusa looked good to me, or at least looked good enough that it changed the narrative from he's too hurt to play this year to I think he could definitely contribute. And uh, they, they've been testing him with a lot of pull blocks, and that's been exciting. So I, I see him as about a 70% chance to make the team. When you add those up, I've given away two spots among those three players. And then at, at tackle, uh, either Denal or Sanat is going to make it. I give Sanat about a, a 7-3 to three edge right now, 70% to be the guy. So he'd be the guy I'd I'd, uh, I'd I'd call for my ninth lineman there, along with Bozeman and Siragusa, to add to the big six. All right, um, Chips, do you have anything different that you on your offensive line setup? No, I mean I got the same standard nine: Stanley Hurst, Lewis Skura, Yonda Brown, Bozeman, Siragusa, Sanat. All right. Um, okay. Aluminor, or as I call him, aluminum, uh, hasn't shown me much uh, in you know last year and this preseason, uh, and then past that, the other people are they're just guys. They're just camp bodies to me. Okay, um, yeah. As you guys, you guys, as we've gone through this, you've been struggling with that last slot, and I'm guessing that's because you're keeping three quarterbacks on this team. Chips, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean, Flacco, Griffin, Jackson. Jackson has not been impressive. Um, I mean, when he's on the run, throwing on the move, sure, you can see the flashes of what he could be. Uh, but in the pocket, he's just been miserable. Uh, he's making bad decisions. He's leaving point or leaving yards on the field anyway um, by not seeing open receivers. Uh, you know, we talked about Jaleel Scott earlier, um, how he has had a zero – passer rating but there's been times where he's been wide open and Jackson has just pulled the ball down and run 
So, um, you know, I don't think uh, that Jackson can be the number two right now. Um, I think that RG3 is going to be here for another year uh, to help Jackson mold his game. Uh, and I mean, you know, in the absolute worst case scenario, if Flacco goes down, who are you more comfortable with? Are you comfortable with the rookie that needs a lot of work out of Louisville? Or are you comfortable with the guy that's been the best of the backups so far this preseason? Yeah, I think that's right, Michael. I think those are the three guys I, I have. Uh, I wouldn't have said that the Ravens would be keeping a third quarterback, but Lamar Jackson obviously has not panned out. Somebody made the comment. I think this is a very interesting question. The Ravens are committed to keeping uh, Jackson and, and developing him, I think, at this point. But the question occurs now, what would the Ravens get for Jackson if they decided they wanted to trade him right now? At the end, at the end of camp or right now? I mean, obviously, it changes game by game, frankly, right now. But uh, do you think they could still get a third back for Jackson at this point? Because I really don't believe they can get a second. Um, yeah, I don't think it's optimal right now. Um, I think that, uh, third is probably the most that they're going to get. Uh, you know, I think you have to keep three and you have to, uh, get Jackson to progress and you have to see what you have in him. And then down the road, you know, if it comes down to it, you grab another quarterback in, you know, 2020 or something like that. Uh, and then you trade it. Yeah, that'd be a good point. 2020 is probably the year uh, where they, they will have seen enough to know if he can grasp the playbook. He's going to have all of 2019 to figure it out and all of 2018, obviously. And they'll also right. try some other things to get him on the field. But I, 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 I pose the question only hypothetically, and I don't suggest that the Ravens are, would be wise to trade Lamar Jackson at this point because uh, you know he still has a lot of upside and, and the, the team has to address what happens after Flacco at some point. Right, exactly. And I mean, you know, you got those people that are like, oh, look how good he is at running. And well, well, then he should be a running back. Um, you know, if he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. The Ravens shouldn't try to force it uh, and then, you know, annihilate the future of the franchise. Was it a mistake for the Ravens to draft Lamar Jackson? Should they have drafted a receiver in that slot instead? I don't know about a receiver. They could have waited to draft Lamar Jackson with a later round pick. Um, and they could have, you know, they could have had Jackson in the second at the, I mean, he was going in the second round, period. It, everybody knew it. Um, they could have had him then. I don't know about a receiver. I don't personally think there were any first round receivers this year, um, but they could have retained their draft picks and they could have grabbed, you know, an Anthony Miller or uh, Michael Gallup or something like that in the, in the second round. Well, I, if they had it to do over right now, I bet they would just go ahead and draft Derwin James and let the let the rest of the draft play out as it would. Uh, but they but they don't have it to do over again. Right. Um, and you know you're, you're there there might be another offensive player that they'd rather have that they've seen in the preseason so far, like Washington, the receiver who's uh, who's with Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, there, there's other players they would have liked to have, but uh, but anyway, uh, I still uh, I'm a little butthurt over the whole. Uh, uh, loss of Derwin James, frankly, and uh, and you know the Ravens basically just not getting out of value for that pick. I think a lot of people are pissed off uh, about the Derwin James thing. Uh, I know Logan Levy from RSR; he's one of them, um, or Logan Levy. Um, I like the fact that we traded back. I don't think we should have traded back so much. There's no point in having 12 draft picks, but. Uh, you know, I think Derwin James would have been a stud on this team. 
Right. Well, they ended up, you know, they ended up with good picks in round six and seven. So some of those draft picks, I think, we're going to be excited about. But obviously, the receivers in the mid rounds, it, it, they, they have not worked out optimally so far. We'll have to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm sorry, my child has figured out that I'm here and she's freaking out. All right, this is normally where we would jump in with the mailbag, but we're having a technical problems today and the show's going long so we're gonna have to catch up and maybe do a special mailbag episode or something to catch up on these questions so uh yeah i really want to apologize for that because we had some great mailbag questions this week that i really wanted to talk about right so let's get started with the, let's get the plugs taken care of and, and chips where can people read what you're doing and tell people about your new podcast that's starting soon Okay, so like Ken McCusick, uh, I also write for Russell Street Report. Uh, currently, I'm just doing a weekly article called The Chicken Box, uh, where you can find some of my opinions uh, about stories about the Ravens uh, all together with snark and humor and uh, things like that. The podcast uh, is called Neutral Zone Infraction. It's going to start next week. Uh, Ken McCusick is actually going to be our first guest on the podcast. Um, and that will be a weekly thing that we are going to be sharing on Josh's uh, platform, which is, I believe it's called Birdland Sports now, right, Josh? Yeah, and that's what I'm going to share about in a, in a minute as well. That's, that's... Okay. So, I, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. I'm doing that with uh, Adam Bona. I'm not going to try to say his last name. Uh, at Adam B. Moore on Twitter, um, who is also a writer for Russell Street Report. And the podcast, like I said earlier on, is going to be more humor-based and opinion and snark and, you know, touch on things in the NFL, be mostly Ravens, but touch on things in the NFL as well as, you know, maybe some bourbon testing and things like that. Yeah, and Adam, So that's coming down the pipeline. Right, and Adam went smart with the simple Twitter name instead of trying to get us all to learn his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So... And, yeah, so that podcast is going to be over on birdlandsports.com, which is what I wanted to share about because for the past five years, I've been helping other websites and Baltimore bloggers, Baltimore podcasts build content and get content out and been encouraging fans to make content. And finally I realized, well, let me just build a place to kind of bring all this fan content together where we're not worried about advertising and all this. We just want fans and to, to talk to other fans. So that's what Birdland Sports is about. And there's some new podcasts up there now. Um, and in fact, I just put one up this afternoon called Dade's View. That uh, Dane's View that we want to, you want you to take a look at. It's a pilot episode of another Ravens podcast that's coming out in a few weeks. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, Marcus. Uh, I, I, he goes by the the uh, name Dade on Twitter, but uh, very good take oh, yeah. on Ravens football and does some wonderful things. He's been a guest on our podcast before. Uh, he's, yeah. he's done some interesting imaging things with looking at, uh, at how route trees start at the line of scrimmage. And uh, definitely an interesting take from a, from a very good football fan. Right. So check that out over on birdlandsports.com. Ken McCusick, tell us what you've got coming up on Russell Street. Well, we've got, we've got a couple things still happening this week. So we got an offensive article that we're not going to get a chance to podcast on because of the late time in the week. But it came out today. Uh, that goes through a lot of the, the issues the offense is having. And honestly, frankly, a pretty bad game. Uh, the the offensive line, Maureen and I did some scoring last night on Nico Saragusa and uh, Bradley Bozeman, two linemen we haven't looked at yet, and I wanted to share my thoughts on those, and I'll have an article posted either today or tomorrow about that. So that'll be something good. If you'll follow, follow me on Twitter, I'm at Film Study Ravens. Josh and I will continue to make these podcasts at a rate of two per week during the regular season. Looking forward to that as always, Josh. Yep, that's the plan. 
Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Chibs. And we'll all talk again soon. Yeah, thanks right. for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Take, take it easy, guys. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's List of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.